Welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. And uh, Walter, we have uh, a lot to talk about this week. It's another uh, another crazy week of news, but uh, more specifically, you know, with the Twitter files, um, I'm kind of directly involved in it. You, you know, you, you, you're sort of, kind of, sort of, on the edges of it a little bit. I'm in the bleachers with a pair of binoculars. <laughs> no, well, sort of. I mean, you write for you write for the free press, right? And that's that's Barry's outlet. And yeah, so yeah. You're you're tight with some of the figures, uh, you know, on on uh, yes on the team. So, um, so you know, we have a new we have a new thread that that's coming out today, and there's been a whole lot of drama since last week. The searches have kind of stopped and started. Last night there was another drama because a whole bunch of journalists were bounced um, from Twitter, and now you know these are the same people who didn't stand up for the likes of Assange or any other you know band account over the last seven eight years and suddenly they're martyrs to the cause yeah they're standing up for the people they go to lunch with Let, let's recount this uh little um tizzy fit or maybe for those who are involved it's bigger than that uh a series of journalists apparently doxed Elon Musk were specific about his location on their Twitter accounts. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't fully understand exactly what happened. I I know that there was a an incident yesterday where um you know some kind of stalker showed up and there was some unpleasantness with his family and that's why he was mad. Um the you know, I, I think for the for the journalists involved in the team, obviously, um, you know, we're put in an awkward position. But uh, and we, you know, we don't want to see anybody permanently suspended for anything. Um, and we we made that case. Uh, but that's really all we can do. I mean, I think that, you know, there are people who are who are responding this about to this event to me um in a way that i I don't really understand right like they they want me to be responsible for elon musk and again i'm i'm just a reporter working a story here like i don't work for elon musk you know whatever he's doing is different from what i'm doing i'm i'm looking at these documents and trying to make sense of them and we're getting somewhere as as the uh the material that come that came out today um shows Part of our remit, he told me, it was to look at his uh, his behavior and and the the performance of current Twitter, but we haven't gotten there yet. We're just starting to go through the historical stuff. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about this. I, I think. Well, okay. First of all, I think that there's some assumption out there that you, Barry, and the other journalists at work here are standing behind or standing before the totality of the Twitter files. And you are, you know, bringing them out in a very selective fashion. And the paranoid or the, the, the people who are suspicious of this effort even think it's uh, not just selective, but, but tortured in a way that, you know, helps the right and makes Elon look good and hurts the woke and so on. But as I understand it, and you can uh, confirm or deny this, 
you have a vast amount of data, most of which is somewhat, uh, you know, hard to access, is somewhat obscure. Uh, there are many paths you could take through it. And you are using the trial and error method to get at the most newsworthy um, aspects of this data and find ways to, you know, into this big mine, really. You're tunneling into a mine. Right. I mean, when when I went into to this story, what I was really interested in was what's the relationship between the government and a platform like Twitter? Like, you know, are they directly telling them to do things, you know, and how does that work? And when we first went in, I, I, I thought one of the first places we might see that was the Hunter Biden story. Um, so that was one of the first batches of, of documents that we got. Um, then after that, I thought it, it might show up in the, um, in the decision to, um, to ban Donald Trump. Curiously enough, um, you know, you don't see it directly in so much in the Trump case. Uh, you do see a lot of um, FBI flagging of Trump before January 6th, uh, but but you don't see whatever's going on behind the scenes. At least we haven't seen it yet, right? So we're trying to be honest about this. Like, you know, we're we're looking at these enforcement channels and... Oh, nearly everything that's in them, um, you know, goes in one direction politically. Uh, that isn't necessarily a reflection of, you know, political bias. It could be. It could just be that the, there's just more bad behavior on one side than the other. Although, you know, we've also seen cases of almost exactly analogous kinds of offenses that they're letting slide. So, it's hard to say, you know, um, but I but I think we're getting past that now. I think we're we're, we're actually getting to what the system is for um, for reporting and and how the government does this, uh, and it's 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 much more intimate and involved than than we thought. I think is it's a big takeaway. Let's pause for a second because I think that's going to be the uh, the, the bulk of our discussion today, and. You know, I didn't quite answer your question as to what I thought of this spending journalists. And, and here's how I read it from the outside. Um, a group of journalists, mainstream journalists, that includes, you know, sort of ranting cable news stores like like Olbermann, Keith Olbermann and, uh, you know, other reporters on big papers are taking massive offense at the fact that Elon has suspended them from the platform. His, uh, his rationale for suspending them is that they were sharing or somehow revealing his exact location in a way that might get him assassinated. And he used those words, you know, um, so now they're off. And the people who somewhat the same people who have refused to cover the Twitter files, the suppression that has been revealed in these files of uh, all everything from individuals to, you know, doctors to uh, other reporters has failed to interest them. But as soon as their little group is affected, they're yelling about free speech. They're suddenly converts to the cause. Um, and uh, they're calling Elon Musk a tyrant, refusing to um, acknowledge that 
the, the the behavior which they now are objecting to is behavior that they have been ignoring uh when it's aimed at others and with probably much less justification i would uh hazard for years right yeah i mean so for years now i've been writing about people like you know the the world's the writers at the world socialist website or um you know the videographer who took some of the pictures of january 6th that was picked up by all the major networks but who had his own youtube account shut down um you know there are dozens of kind of smaller independent journalists who've been shut down then 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 you have to add people like you know, Julian Assange and, you know, accounts associated with, with them. Uh, and you never heard a peep from uh, any of these folks. Now, I, I'm against banning any journalists. I mean, I, I think that's not a good decision. I think the optics of that are bad. Um, but, but, if, but if it's true that these journalists are engaged in the um, identification of someone's real-time location, who has, you know, I'm sure received assassination threats and has had a recent incident uh, with a stalker. What kind of journalism is being suppressed there? I, I'm not, again, I didn't, I didn't see exactly, I've been working around the clock on this other thing, so I didn't see exactly what was tweeted uh, and, and who was retweeting. I, I can't imagine that Keith Olbermann even knows what doxing is. Yeah, I've had some recent dealings with him on Twitter. I find him subliterate. Um, his volume uh, is much, you know, is is a ten, but his grammar is a three. Um, and uh, but we'll say this: Taylor Lorenz, one of these banned journalists, is that not correct? Is someone who's made almost a name for herself going after people, uh, finding them, tracking them down, quote doxing them, shaming them, suppressing their you know, speech and in fact, sometimes uh, kind of questioning their very being. Um, so to see the worm turn, I think for certain people is probably quite satisfying here. Um, to see people at the major newspapers receiving the sort of treatment that they happily and, and, and sort of cheerfully um, beheld being visited on others uh, has a kind of uh, emotional uh, or dramatic uh, satisfaction in some ways, but but I don't know that there's any question, but that Elon is justifying it as a safety matter if he's overblowing that or being deceptive in that. That's another question. Yeah, I I really don't have any insight into that. I know that some of the other reporters in the project are very worried about it. Uh, some of us aren't. I mean, I I think. Uh, I, I think the old school reporter method of looking at this is just, you know, that's that's a question that we may get to at some point. Um, you know, whether or not right, right. The, the the new version of Twitter is uh, doing the same kinds of things that the old Twitter was doing, um, but that's that's not what we were brought in to look at. Um, we might get to it, but we, we, we weren't brought right. in to look, look at that. Yeah. But, well, you know, well, for... so, so let, let's, let's circle, let's circle back to the main body of this. You said we're 
beginning to get a pretty good idea as to how the censorship machine works. And uh, I know you have done some new reporting on that. You've examined new files and put things together in new ways. And could you summarize what you're finding? Yeah, so we're we're getting like basically a general picture of kind of how information flows. It's sort of roughly in a circle, right? So uh, Twitter on the back end, it sells what it calls firehose information to these big um, private contractors like Zero Fox and Data Miner. And so they're basically selling everything except your most private information, like all the stuff that's public. Um, and Are those... they selling your location? Uh, I, I, I don't think they're doing that, uh, except in, I think, in, in what they would call very narrow cases involving criminal activity for specifically for the government, right? Like that's not a, a commercial actor isn't, isn't going to get that probably. Um, they may get it. Okay. They, they may get that generally in terms of like ISP addresses, but not like your current location, like where you are with your phone. Um, but if I put up a picture on, if I put up a picture on Twitter, will they get that? Yeah, they might get, they might get that. That might be one of the things that they would analyze. I mean, I, they're, these data sets are enormous, right? And, and they're sold in, in all mm -hmm. directions to everything from reputation management firms to hedge funds to, to the government. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, so we know information kind of flows in big chunks um, out the back end and ends up in places like uh, the DHS, the Department of Justice, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Commerce, the Pentagon, which, by the way, can include the NSA. But it, en but it, ends, up but it ends up there after having spent some time in these sort of black box intermediary data mining operations. Right, yeah. Like, if you look, you'll see public contracts for companies like Data Miner. Data Miner in 2020 got a $259 million contract um, just for the Air Force, right? So these are huge contracts uh, for supplying, supplying data, wow. doing data analysis, that kind of stuff. Um, and there's, there's tons and tons of them. Um, and we, we've seen some chatter about this. Like there's one email, uh, that I'm hoping to publish today, uh, that says something along the lines of, well, we wouldn't give that to the FBI, but we would, we would do it for the DOD. Right. Um, and so we know, we know that there, that there's a channel where information is kind of going out, but, but the more interesting thing is, what we're finding out now is that, that, you know, everybody knows the government does stuff like um, analyzes data to try to figure out economic forecasts or track terror suspects or, you know, even updating, you know, maps for the military, that kind of thing. Uh, but what they what they're also definitely doing is mass analyzing and flagging for moderation individual social media accounts. Uh, so they're not just making recommendations at a high level about, you know, maybe you should look at this or that for, for Twitter. They're sending them gigantic lists uh, of, 
of um of posts, hashtags, videos, and essentially saying we'd we'd like you to take action on this possible violative content. And so they, I don't know. they meaning the government they meaning the government agencies are sending back to Twitter huge um batches of recommendations that are in some cases granular enough to include individual tweets, very small accounts, and you know, so on. Yeah, that's exactly what's good. It's the FBI, and they have about 10 different routes that we've identified so far uh, of sending this stuff to Twitter. Uh, sometimes it's just like a personal letter to somebody they know at the FBI. Sometimes they, they, they have weekly meetings with legal counsel, with people from the Trust and Safety Department. Um, they have a thing called Teleporter, which is like a platform where Twitter can go to upload reports from the FBI. Uh, and what you see and what we've got on these lists um, are long lists of requests. You know, you know, we'd like you to take a look at uh, some accounts that may warrant additional action is, is like language they would use. And then they'll send you a list of like 25 accounts. One of them was was Billy Baldwin, oddly enough, um, the actor. Uh, but a lot of them were really small, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I reached one of the, these people and uh, his reaction was was really funny. You know, he he said, my first thought was, you know, this is this got to be a prima facie First Amendment violation. My second thought was. Holy cow! Me an account with the reach of an amoeba. What else are they looking at? You know, um, <laughs> and uh, there's just lots. What did, of, what did the guy said? Or what, oh. I, I, I mean, it, it was it was something silly about the election. Like a lot of them were were related to, hey Democrats, if you you know everybody's got to get motivated, go out there and vote on Wednesday and really really show them. You know, <laughs> and, you know it's it's the, it's the old joke uh of get out there on Wednesday and vote um when of course the vote's on Tuesday right that's election misinformation but right, in right. so many cases right. these are like satirical accounts and the joke is sometimes in the account right like uh there was there, there was this one woman um who goes by the the, the handle at Claire Foster PhD um and uh what what did she say? She said something um uh for every negative for every negative comment on your post, I'm adding another vote for Democrats and if you're not wearing a mask, I'm not counting your vote. Um I mean it was just it was just silly. Uh and there's just a lot of stuff like this where the 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 accounts themselves are just full of joke pictures and stuff like that and they're getting them bounced over really mm -hmm. nothing you know um so i don't know it's uh the war on humor is real matt the the feds and twitter uh, seem to have decided in concert that america doesn't understand irony that sarcasm is a threat and that you know everything must be taken on its most literal level, um, you know, so it's not just freedom of speech that's being suppressed. It's America's sense of humor on a systematic basis, it looks like.
Yeah, I mean, just just to take here's one where where if you can't tell this is a joke, you probably shouldn't be voting. This is from a, an account called Ultra Maga, okay, and it says Americans vote today. Democrats, you vote Wednesday the ninth. Now, come on, like is that election misinformation or yeah. is that just being cheeky? Like. Really? You know, they're going to recommend that this person be banned and that person was banned. Um, and so there's a lot okay, of that. Okay, so let, let's let's pause for a second. What justifies this massive interest in, quote, election misinformation? In other words, we've had elections throughout my lifetime and yours. It was only recently that election misinformation became that it became the most dangerous thing alive. Um, how are how are they talking or, or, or you know, acting in a, in a way that could enlighten us on what they think the threat is? Is it Russians? Is it, you know, American dumbassery, the, the, the threat? Is it all threats? What is the urgency behind this massive effort? Well, I think the sort of underlying justification for all this really gets back to 2016 and the Russian interference story. Like throughout a lot of these requests, you you see you see Russian malign influence referred to constantly, um, and that that kind of expanded to from Russian misinformation to misinformation generally. Right. Um, and, and that being election interference, it was sort of a slate of hand trick when you think about it. Right. Uh, so on the one hand, you can kind of sort of justify the idea of Russians are flooding the information landscape with fake information because they want this or that person to win an election. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can almost I can I can almost see that. Right. That I think that's. That's at least within the realm of there evidence. Well, they don't evidence in the files of that. We we haven't seen, we haven't seen that stuff. We've seen, we've, we've seen, we've seen them referring to it. Like we, we saw uh, the FBI passing around a, um, a sort of bulletin to Twitter employees about Russian malign influence. And it's, it's kind of amazing what they say. They say, we assess, that Russian malign influencers will will increasingly use so U.S. social media platforms that offer more permissive operating environments. Our assessment is based on the assumption that Russian malign influences see operational advantages in sites with less active effort to ban false information, offensive language, and inauthentic behavior. Uh, and, and then they later go on to say the same thing about domestic extremism, they say information gaps and challenges associated with the individualized nature of radicalization could be partially mitigated with increased collaboration between law enforcement, terrorism prevention efforts, and private sector partners. We judge these partnerships would improve our ability to detect changes uh, in domestic violent extremist trends and provide early warning of possible attacks. So what they're saying basically Wait, that's is new. Domestic, domestic violence. violence. How did that creep in there? I didn't. Domestic violent extremism. 
So they they, they moved right, from how Russia. How did that creep in there? That's after J six. Like that's the new thing now is domestic violence. They oh, call okay. it DVE. Okay. They, they 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 they've already moved on to the acronym there. That that's DVE. Okay. Um, but but what they're saying basically is uh, permissiveness helps the Russians. Free speech helps the Russians. Um, you need to work more closely with us. Uh, I- increased uh, collabor- collaboration with what they call our private sector partners is what's going to stop um, this, this, these kinds of threats and close the quote-unquote information gaps, right? So the stuff we can't see, that's the problem. Um, so that comes up over and over again is this, this concept of, you know, we need to work more closely together because there's this threat, whatever it is. And, you know, it's Russians yesterday, then it's just misinformation, then it's domestic violent extremism, and so on and so on. And that comes up over and over. And that's the ostensible reason why suddenly the government is in the business of flagging tweets with like three followers, um, which is a and, shock. And, ba- and banning the laptops of presidential sons, with, which are brimming with, uh, you know, evidence of, perhaps of, of corrupt practices or, you know, at least lewd practices. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think you could call taking a, a no show $50,000 a month job, a kind of corruption, right? I mean, you know, there, there's that that's, but, well, whatever, that's a step, that's a side issue, but, but at the very least, I, I don't think most Americans know that the, that the FBI and the department of Homeland security are dedicating money and personnel to scanning every single thing that we write and say. Um, so, so how big how big are these teams, Matt? You sent me some notes before the before the show today that I read through about your findings. You spoke at one point of eighty agents, a team of eighty agents uh, yeah, that yeah. had that had grown to that from a smaller number. Yeah, they have this new department. Um, it's called the FTIF, uh, the, uh, this, it's, 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 they're basically their social media focused task force. I I apologize. I don't, I don't remember what the acronym stands for. I'm getting acronym overload by the way. Um, but yeah, no, they ban acronyms, all, all evil and, and, and deceptive, uh, plotting comes in under the, you know, mantle of acronymed speech and organization <laughs> yeah what what is it about organizations that are like very acronym driven uh it's like the military uh the fbi like those are the two worst that i've ever in, uh encountered i would say um but any uh, yeah anyway they, here's, they... My, here's my metaphor my metaphor is that in vegas once they get you to turn your dollars into chips you no longer care about them in the same way. And, 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 and in government and business, when they get you to uh, stop thinking in terms of ideas and actual words and start using acronyms instead, you stop sort of policing the meaning of what's going on in the same fashion. Um, <laughs> That's probably true, right? I mean, it, it definitely, um, you know, when you start thinking in those terms, you, you you know it dehumanizes everything and but yeah no the the ftif um you know they now have 80 agents uh assigned to that 
and that's all we know of. We found, you know, that there's another um, sort of legal executive who's also sort of an attache for the Senate, uh, who was meeting weekly with DOJ um, and FBI, uh, DHS, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Um, so that, so you know, that's a significant amount of contact, and we're only just starting to tabulate how many of these emails there are. But but the thing that's that's uh, the common thread in all of this is that. It's just it's just email after email with lists of stuff that they want zapped for some reason. And, you know, they have a pretty good batting average uh, in getting it done. The FBI is sending out wish lists, mm-hmm. detailed wish lists. It's sending out voluminous wish lists regularly, consistently, and they seem to have certain themes. But what I want to ask you is, what is the tone the FBI takes with Twitter? Is it that of a supplicant? Like, will you please do this? I know this is a pain in the ass, and I know this may sound like a you know a blow against free speech, but we really think it's important. Or does the FBI send them much as you know a duke sends his footman orders to get the carriage ready? <laughs> yeah, I think it's much more the latter. Uh, the the way I described it uh, was this way: the master canine quality of the FBI's relationship to Twitter comes through uh, in this November twenty two uh, twenty twenty two email, in which um, FBI San Francisco is notifying you it wants action on four accounts. So the the, the email reads like this: Hello, Twitter contacts. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.